Welcome back to Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I am Josh, and we're here to close out the Obi-Wan series here today with our bonus episodes where we're going to run through some great rankings. We're going to talk about potential spinoff series, where we want to see things go from here, and it's just going to be a really fun episode overall. So really stoked to, to dive into a few things here. we got a lot of categories ready to rank, and uh, like I said, I'm really, really excited to be able to put this series at rest, we did a great job running through it last week with episode six, all the crazy things that happened and how the series ended. And now we're going to go ahead and talk about some of our favorite things throughout. And from there, we'll go ahead and, and close out Obi-Wan in its entirety today. Moving on to the next beast next week. <laughs> and we'll talk about that more as we close this one out here today. So uh, before we go ahead and get started, turn the floor over to Chase, say a few words. We'll put our drinks in the air and we'll go from there. Malice in the Chalice, man. Let's close this out on a high note. One hell of a ride. You know, it's always badass to be back in the Star Wars universe. Uh, it's been been fucking great. So let's make it happen, man. Off to the pit of Mustafar with you. <laughs> Cheers, brother. All right. I thought that was so clever. <laughs> let's make it happen, man. Fuck yeah. I was a fan. I enjoyed it. But, so, what we're going to go ahead and start doing today, we are going to start off with some rankings. Now, the very first ranking category we are going to tackle is going to be the ranked order of the episodes 1 through 6. So, we're going to start at our 6th favorite episode and go all the way to our top of the top most favorite episode in this series. I'll go ahead and let Chase begin with his number 6. Number 6. The number 6 episode i had was episode four uh where remember the jedi were like in amber and he goes off to rescue leia and you kind of had that whole moment where you know obi-wan was holding up the glass and then the flood came through i thought it was a good episode i didn't mind it it wasn't bad um it had some good action uh i guess it was just definitely you could tell it was more of a filler episode so I had to rank it uh, number six on my list, man. What about you? Damn, it's fucking disrespectful. I've got it a lot higher than that. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> thought it sucked, man. I thought it was shit. It was dog shit. <laughs> For me, uh, my number six ranking on this ranked order of the episodes, episode one comes into number six. And this is why, like, not terribly too much happens here. I mean, we get a nice little introduction. We get the nostalgia aspect from seeing Ewan McGregor reprise his role with Obi-Wan for the first time. But outside of that, what, what happens? We're introduced to the Inquisitors. They hunt and kill the other Jedi, Nari, that we don't even get to see on screen. All of a sudden, he's just hung up in the town fucking square. Like, I don't know. And then from there, the whole plot starts with Leia being kidnapped and Bail Organa attempting to get Obi-Wan out of hiding and back to the Jedi he once was, so I guess it was cool to go see Obi-Wan go out to the fucking sand desert and pull his lightsaber out of the box and then leave Tatooine, but outside of that, nothing really happened. There's very much, like, just getting into the swing of things, and, you know, we don't really know where the storyline's going. We're not gonna, we, like, we don't, like, at this point, just watching the episode for what it was, we don't know where we're gonna go from here. Is it just gonna be about rescuing Leia? There's gonna be other things involved in it, too. And you know, all we see of him is a very shell of himself. He's not the warrior that we once knew uh, on you know the, the Revenge of the Sith. He's a meat cutter, like we always kind of make fun of. And <laughs> you know, so it just for me, 
Like, there's no quote unquote bad episodes. None of the episodes are like, wow, that was straight dog shit. I don't want to watch it. Like, none of them are bad, yeah. but it's just I have reasons why I thought other ones are better. So, number six for me is episode one. Go ahead and tier number five. Uh, I ranked episode one, number five, very close, very close, but I ranked it higher than episode four because we got to see Nari, who was pretty cool, got to see a little bit of the other Jedis, you know, and you kind of had that flashback scene in the very beginning that took us over back to Coruscant, not Coruscant, like the food, but uh, you got to see Anakin slaying away again, but uh you know, so I thought it was interesting, and remember it ended on kind of a high note. It kind of reminded me of, like, how, you know, episode, I think it was, like, episode two ended of season eight of Game of Thrones, when you had, like, that child pinned to the wall, but instead it was Nari that was, like, hanging from the, you know, from the trestle there. But, so I ranked it at uh, number five for me. So, your turn. Yeah, man. Number five for me, I put episode two. You know, it, it was a little bit more than episode one. We had the abandoned girl. I, I want to say homeless. I don't know. But she was giving Obi-Wan some drugs that he uses his weapons later on in that episode. We got introduced to Haja Estre, who initially seemed kind of like a bad guy, pretending to be a Jedi and taking credits for helping people in exchange. But he actually turns out to be pretty instrumental in the series. And Obi-Wan barely is able to overtake two glorified bodyguards. He has to... But like the, I guess the biggest thing in this episode, well, there was two big things. Obi-Wan was able to dig down deep and use the Force at a high level for the first time in a long time when he was able to stop Leia from falling from the building. And then also the big bombshell revelation that Reva drops in Obi-Wan and we find out that Anakin Skywalker is still alive. But again, outside of that, those are just two or three moments that are big, but throughout an entire episode, I just wanted more. And so that's why it is a little bit higher ranked than episode one for me. But I couldn't go any higher than uh, than this fifth spot. So, yeah, number five for me goes to episode two. Go ahead and tackle number four. Great minds think alike. Episode two was uh, ranked number four for me. I didn't mind it. I liked that we got to see Dayu on this episode. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I like that she tried to sell him drugs. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, no pun intended. Uh, don't do drugs, kids. Stay in school. <laughs> but uh i did like that obi-wan proved he was who he you know who leia thinks he kind of is as like a jedi by using the force to stop her fall thought that was cool uh you kind of got to see reva do some parkour moves so that was interesting but other than that you know it's definitely a little bit of a slower episode compared to what we still have uh so i ranked it uh number uh number four on my list for me my number four goes to episode four so i had episode four ranked here um a little bit higher than you did a reason why i liked it better than episode one and episode two is leia is taken captive by reva after what happens in episode three and so now we've got this whole issue of another you have to like spring her all over again right she was captured on Dayu, now she's captured again and she's at their little Inquisitor base. But I thought this was really important. Reva was unable to read Leia's mind using the Force, which is a huge significance for, for Leia. Uh, then we see the bodies encased in the amber liquid. We see Obi-Wan start to get a little stronger and bring back some of those abilities. Like you had mentioned earlier, Force holding back the water with the cracks in the window. 
And at the end of this, we got that really cool sacrifice of Wade to ensure that they escaped safely. And then we had the double kind of whammy where Reva, when she was doing the interrogations, grabbed the droid Lola, and we didn't realize what she did. She put a tracker on it, so now they're they're being pursued, and they don't even know. So that's why episode four gets a little bit higher than one and two in my mind. So my number four ranking goes to episode four. Go into your number three. Number three. Uh, This was episode three for me. It was badass, man. I loved it. You got to see uh, Tala was introduced, which we haven't seen her since Game of Thrones, really, which was badass. You kind of had that moment where you had a little bit more of bonding between Obi-Wan and Leia now that she knows who he is. And uh, you had that funny moment with Freck. Remember, he was like, nothing wrong with a little order around here. And uh, you saw some badass action scenes. You even saw a stormtrooper fall in half through lasers. And then we got to see the badass himself was back in full force. Darth Vader was ripping people out of fucking houses, snapping necks and cashing checks, baby. And then his old master he goes one-on-one with and his master gets that ass whooped. He was getting dragged across fire, full circle moments. And then, uh, you know, our Game of Thrones actor here, Tala, bails Obi-Wan's ass out, which we talked about the plot holes there, which is why I couldn't really rank it much higher than that. But uh, it was still a badass episode for what it was. I absolutely loved it. Like I said, there was no bad episodes out of any of these rankings. Uh, But for that, I ranked it number three on my list. What about you? So, number three on my list is episode five. And look, episode five was great, but we mentioned the big ass plot hole that it had on there and kind of ruined a lot of things. And on top of that, there's a secondary plot hole where I would still need to be convinced, uh, you know, on, on one way or the other. But uh, in terms of what I liked about episode five and why it got to the number three spot above the other ones, is we had the path's last stand there on Jabim. They had the whole Obi-Wan saying, it's almost like the, it's a lower scale 300. They were outgunned and outnumbered, yeah. and they had to figure out how they were going to survive the siege. And, you know, even though Obi-Wan says Anakin doesn't have the time, like, it doesn't have the patience for a siege, it's, you know, I thought it was really cool because we really got to see the, what do you call it, the flashbacks of Anakin and Obi-Wan training, and that was awesome to see that Hayden Christensen back in an in, in in interactive role. We, we saw him in episode three quickly, where Obi-Wan thought he saw him as a mirage in that area, uh, you know, on, on Mapuzo. But this is the first time we got like an interacting Hayden Christensen with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they were doing a little training thing. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Lola, the droid breaking the control centers and of the hangar roof, trapping them, and Leia happened to be the one. You know, a ten-year-old is really the key to their success of getting the fuck out of there. That was really sick. I thought I liked that a lot. Uh, the hologram being dropped was an, an issue for me because of what the hologram signified. You know, apparently Bail Organa just figured out Darth Vader was alive from the clouds. Maybe he read it in some tea leaves. I don't know. Maybe he was taking. Prof- <laughs> maybe he was taking some uh, divination from Professor Trelawney's class. I don't know. <laughs> from Professor <laughs> Trelawney, but, divination uh, with the Force. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. So obviously there was that that big plot hole there with with uh, Bail Organa somehow knowing that Anakin's still alive, uh, but. 
other than that, yeah, Riva attempting to fight Vader, having that that one on one, and Vader just taking care of her with absolute ease, not a problem at all. And then the original Grand Inquisitor coming back, and you know, a lot of shit happened in Episode Five. And and honestly, if it didn't have the two major plot holes that it had, it probably would have ranked higher for me. But because it affects the series and honestly the entirety of the Star Wars universe so much. I just really couldn't put it any higher than that. So for me, my number three spot went to episode five. Go ahead and kick us off with your number two. Very close, man. But I didn't give a fuck. Episode five was uh, the Vader-Riva face-off, baby. I ranked episode five number two on my list. Number two way to do because of that vader Rita riva face-off and there wasn't much of a face-off there was just a mask in that face and it was a flawless fucking victory baby it was flawless motherfucker and the reasons kind of uh actually a little bit different than your opinion was why i ranked it higher was because you got to see vader bring down a whole fucking ship by himself doing it the right way baby the right way and not like Miss Palpatine, <laughs> Miss Ray Skywalker blowing one up in the sky. No, you got to see that whole fucking ship come down. Vader at full force, not giving a fuck, going after, letting Reva go after him, and still whips that ass. Whips that ass like a little, like a little child got a little spanking. <laughs> got a little spanking from Daddy Vader is what happened. <laughs> Ain't to say what happened, but. Uh, you know, and you still saw that kind of blaze of glory Tala went out with. You still saw Obi-Wan, like, using his ability to kind of figure out how he can buy them some time. Why Leia figures out, you know, she needs a ladder and figures out how to fix the doors. That was great. And, uh, like you said, you got to see the flashbacks, man. So, had to give it number five. Got to look past that abysmal plot hole there but because the files were so abysmal as much you know what's so bad was i had this ranked as number one and then when we talked about the plot holes i had to move it down <laughs> unfortunately man uh that ruined my number one spot for that but it was still great for what it was so i'll let you take it away your number two yeah one one other thing to add to why episode five was great and, had, and if it wasn't for those bottles, it probably would have been better, is that we also got to learn who Reva was and her backstory, that coming full yeah. circle from the beginning. So that was awesome as well. Absolutely. But moving into my number two spot, I have episode three as my number two spot. Uh, I really enjoyed episode three. We got to see the full height of Vader's power. He walked, like you said, he, he stepped on Mapuzo and he was, he was, what did you say, <laughs> snapping necks and cashing checks? Like, it was, he was, <laughs> yeah, he, fuck, he, man. he truly was an evil villain. Like, the, the absolute ruthless, just, like you said, we were walking back through, he grabbed, force choked an old man out of a window for no damn reason. They were just looking out at him, choked him, <laughs> the son tries to go to his defense. Kills the son, little twist of his arm, and force snaps the kid's neck, chokes the daddy out, dad's dead, starts dragging this woman through the dirt for no damn reason just because he was bored. He ends up blasting away with the force the little barrels that were covering some other children, probably about to take them out before he forced, like, the, he recognizes the force, Obi-Wan's energy was pretty close. Like, like so episode three, we got to see full villain Vader we, we have not seen before. Crazy. But uh, also, 
The Empire finding out about the, the secret society called the Path when Riva enters that facility and she's able to see the markings on the wall there. So they, they find out that they are being, like, they, there is actually a society that's undermining them. That's kind of cool for, you know, going forward in the, the Star Wars universe from this series. Uh, we you get introduced to Tala, like you mentioned, you know, and Miss Ilaria Sand. But she, we find out her, she's a double agent. You know, we think she's going to fuck him up because remember when they got to the little laser gate to bar the way. Obi-Wan took out all the initial troopers, but then a backup came, and they were on their knees about to get blasted the fuck up, and Tal had shot her own people from behind, and they're like, oh, shoot, what the hell? And so that was kind of cool. Uh, we got, you know, Tal was, we introduced to Tala, and obviously we, we see what her character arc meant to the series, and uh, then also what I really liked about this episode, too, and it, it kind of drew an emotional connection back to the prequels, where Obi-Wan, like, is having the sto telling the story about how they're farmers from Tall, and he messes up and he calls because he was supposed to be uh, Luma was supposed to be Leia's like fake code name and he accidentally calls her Leia which is her actual name and he comes up with a quick cover story saying oh well Leia was her mother's name and he says uh, sometimes when I look at her I see her mother and that was like the genuine like moment he actually does feel that way and say that but he said it for the story but that was a genuine like heartfelt moment and that's when Leia, re Leia recognizes he probably knew my parents and so that was I thought that was really cool. So for all those moments, and obviously you saw Vader and Obi Wan have their first battle, and Vader dragged that ass to the fire. Whoop! Like dude, that, that was that was no contest there. That was worse than Reva versus Vader. Vader was just you know stomping some stomping some booty there, man. Like the only thing issue I really have with Episode Three is how the hell we just let his him go when there was only a small wall of fire to be separating Vader from Kenobi, right? But yeah, they, they, like the say he was out. He was outgunned in the saber fight, talking about Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was using two hands, and Vader was walking him down one-handed, no problem. And then the Force, oh, that wasn't even a contest at all. He was he was Force-whooping that ass, man. So, uh, yeah, I thought Episode 3 was really, really cool. And, you know, it, it, and the only reason it didn't hit number one is because another episode was just a little bit better. So, for number two for me goes to Episode 3. And I'll let you kick us off with your number one position. Well, I think we know what's number one, and it sounds like we're both agreeing, finally. <laughs> so, episode six, man, I had to give it number one. It, it was a fantastic episode. It was very well written. You got to see all these moments come full circle. You saw that badass standoff with Anakin, Darth Vader at his full potential, and Obi-Wan is no longer a shell of himself anymore. And you kind of had that Goku moment, man. Like, it was badass. Uh, so it, it was uh, definitely fantastic. And then to top it all off, I think the, like, cherry on the ice cream here is Qui-Gon Jinn comes fucking out of nowhere at the very end, man. It was excellent. I loved every minute of it. Um, I like the fight scene a little bit more in the in episode five, but I thought the fight scene was great. So, you know, I ranked it number one on my list. There were really not very really any plot holes on this episode either. So, number one goes to episode six. What about you, man? Yeah, you're right. I also ranked episode six number one, and you know, not not necessarily plot holes, but definitely stupid decisions were made. But we'll talk about that later. But anyways. Uh, episode 6 got my number 1 spot here in my ranked order of episodes 1 through 6. Uh, we had that crazy-ass battle between Vader and Obi-Wan that you were mentioning. That was super cool because it wasn't just lightsabers like it was you know, in, in both A New Hope and in uh, 
the Battle of the Heroes back in Revenge of the Sith. Now, don't get me wrong, there was little moments of the Force being used in the Battle of the Heroes, but nothing like like the Force action that we got between these two in this episode. Like we had Vader throwing craters and boulders and just cliffs themselves on top of we want we want to be able to come up, do the Night King rise style, and just start launching fucking boulders back at Vader, and like, it was just sick. We got to see Vader's helmet split open, so his suit is vulnerable after all. It was pretty cool to see because we don't know like what kind of material this suit's made out of. Is it even penetrable? And you know, Obi Wan showed us, yeah, fucking is. I thought that was dope. Then on top of that, you got two human civilians with no extra powers whatsoever, Owen and Beru, protecting Luke against Reva, who is arguably, you know, on, on the list of stronger characters that we find in this series, and they're trying their best to, to like, stop her from coming after this kid, and, you know, we had these cutscenes back and forth between the battle between Obi-Wan and Vader, then Reva and Owen and Beru doing their best to, to defend her off, and to defend their farm, and, you know, Obi-Wan giving the path a chance by accepting that he's gonna have to go one-on-one versus Darth Vader, and letting them, go, you know, go on up to the side, and, then, like you mentioned as well, Qui-Gon's appearance at the end. We haven't seen Qui-Gon since Phantom Menace, and he's been trying to contact him. He finally gets a quick little cameo there, and on top of that, we get back to Alderaan, and we see a, a sweet foreshadow of Leia in her full get-up that is the exact same clothing that she, we find Leia wearing in the original trilogy. So I was a big fan of Episode Six. It hit my number one spot on my ranked order, and just to go through it quickly, quickly for me, from 6 to 1... 6, episode 1, 5, episode 2, 4, episode 4, 3, episode 5, 2, episode 3, and number 1, episode 6. That's my ranked order from bottom to top. Go ahead and run through your your ranked order bottom to top. Number 6, I have episode 4, where it rightfully belongs. Number five, episode one. Number four, episode two. Number three, episode three. Number two, episode five. And number one, episode six. Awesome. Now we'll move on to our next ranking category. We're going to talk about our top five favorite moments. I let Chase go ahead and start us off with that last uh, category. I'll go ahead and take the beginning here. And start talking from five. My number five favorite moment in this series was finding out that Reva was actually one of the younglings in the temple that Anakin entered when he killed pretty much everyone. And she's been playing a double agent, and her ulterior motive the entire time was actually getting Vader close so that she could kill him rather than serve him. So I think that that revelation, that moment, hit number five for me on my, my list of top five favorite moments. What is your fifth favorite moment from this series? It was the flashbacks with Anakin and Obi-Wan, man. It was uh, more of a nostalgia kind of thing for me because we haven't seen, especially with the you know, short hair and the rat tail, <laughs> we haven't seen that for like a really long time, really since Attack of the Clones. And um, it, that moment really not only... Uh, you know, you got to see Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor, both the original people training together. But, you know, you can tell they still know these characters like the back of their hand. Just by the way, you know, Anakin, um, you can tell he's blinded, <laughs> still blinded by um, not able to listen to his predecessors and uh, definitely just only able to see one way. 
it, but it was great. It was definitely more of a nostalgia thing. It took me back to when I was a kid, so I had to put it on the list at number five. What about your number four? Number four for me was Tala's sacrifice in episode five when she blew herself up to give the path extra time to get out of um, Jabim. Uh, you know, and, and on top of just blowing herself up, she took a lot of troopers with her. And I just thought that meant a lot. Like she already had an idea that she was not going to make it. And you know, her, her injury, she was bleeding from it, was pretty bad from when she got shot. And instead of uh, trying to get someone to save her, she decides she's going to do her best to save everyone else and take as many of the bad guys down with her as possible. Uh, you know, it kind of reminded me, and I know I make this reference a lot, but it reminded me of Majin Vegeta when he fought against Majin Buu and he realized that, like, look, there's no way out of this, so I'm just going to sacrifice myself and do my best I can to uh, save everybody else. And so she, she tried it, and, you know, it didn't necessarily... Uh, I, I, I don't say her sacrifice didn't work. Something else worked to, uh, better to the advantage, I should say. But still, her sacrifice meant a lot. Uh, but it, it did end up coming in at number four on my top five favorite moments of the series. What about you, man? What do you got for number four? Yeah, number four, I have Obi-Wan using the Force to stop Leia on Dayu. I thought it was cool. Kind of a slower moment, but you finally see uh, Obi-Wan has kind of come back into his self with a little glimpse a little bit here. Um, and Leia, it proves to Leia that he's not an imposter. And, you know, you're on fucking Dayu. Looks like the Times Square of Star Wars. You got people over here smuggling shit, doing drugs. We're all happy like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and you had this big-ass bounty going on at the same time. And the whole chase and jumping off rooftops reminded me of Spider-Man a little bit. And you had Reva doing some weird-ass parkour shit. It was badass, man. So I ranked it at number four on my list. What's your number four or number three? Uh, yeah, my number three, and you've already mentioned it as one of yours, but my number three favorite moment was the nostalgic flashback training session of Anakin and Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan was teaching Anakin to try and overcome his need to prove himself. You know, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor on scene together, again, as Anakin and Obi-Wan was amazing to see. You've already mentioned that. But just you know, even taking it a step further, it, it, like, like you had mentioned, they know these characters so well, Anakin still is struggling to overcome his fatal flaw now in the present day of this miniseries, and it even shows even back as far as the training session how that the, you know, uh, Obi Wan was able to figure out he knows Anakin inside and out. You know he knows like what he's gonna do because he's trained him this entire time, and even back then Obi Wan was trying to help him make better decisions, and it just never took. And so I just I did think that that's those specific moments, those flashback training things for nostalgia purposes and just for the series purposes itself of like hey. This is why, you know, even Roken asks, like, how do you know he doesn't have the patience for a siege? Well, I know because I fucking trained his ass. <laughs> like, you know, so it was really cool to see them in their original roles and training against each other when they were both good guys, you know, because obviously this took that, that time period took place between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, so Anakin had not turned to the dark side yet. It was great to see Obi-Wan, you know, still trying to, con you know, get Anakin to make the right choices. And so for me, that's why it... it, it it went up my list a lot. It meant more to me than some of the other moments here. So number three for me was the nostalgic flashback training sessions of Anakin and Obi-Wan. What about uh, your number three? Number three for me, man. Snapping necks and cashing checks, baby. Fuck yeah. Woo. We are Darth at his finest is pulling people out of houses 
innocent civilians giving no fucks. Like the like the Danny we know giving no fucks, man. It was wild. But uh my favorite moment of year, which I'd rank number three out of that moment though, is he dragged Obi-Wan across the fire and just whipping ass, man. Cause talk about like really a um yeah, full circle moment, I would kind of say, too. Like, yeah, it, you know, last place we really saw Anakin, besides a couple of glimpses here and there in the Vader suit, uh, was, you know, laying in half on Mustafar through the fire. So he was over here dragging him through that fire, and now it's kind of like a reverse of roles at the moment. But it was just badass seeing Vader at the top of his game for really the first time we've ever seen it. So... Had to rank it as my number three there. All right. My number two favorite moment in this Obi-Wan series was very similar to what your number three was. This Prime Vader kicking Obi-Wan's ass in episode three. Dragging his ass across the fire embers. Making it look like Obi-Wan was never a threat or a warrior to begin with. We saw the entire fight between the two of them. And it was not close. And so I just thought that for me, it was a shocking moment because we've never seen Obi-Wan that vulnerable vulnerable before. And on top of that, you know, Darth Vader is his pupil or was his pupil back in the day. So to, to see the the apprentice become the master in this little battle scene was, was pretty crazy. So that was a top impactful moment for me. So it was enough to rank number two on my top five, top five favorite moments of the series. So yeah, and go into your number two. Number two for me, another fight between Vader and Obi-Wan. The final fight of the series, man. It was badass. It was awesome. Uh, A lot of full circle moments here. Remember Anakin even said, you didn't kill Anakin, (laughs) Obi-Wan. I did. Like, that was badass. That was a badass moment. Got to see Obi-Wan throw those rocks and pull himself out of the ground you know, it was it was uh, our two, uh, I guess, top villain now. Almost said two top heroes, but, you know, they're back at it again. So it, it was great to see. Um, and, you know, so I had to give it the number two spot on my list. What about you? Going into number one, for me, it's pretty much what you just mentioned. Just have a lot more to add to it on it. It's just the final battle between Prime Darth Vader and the newly re-strengthened Obi-Wan in episode six. You know, we saw it was more of a back and forth. It wasn't an advantage either way. It seemed like Vader got the drop on Obi-Wan and started throwing down the boulders and the cliffs with all the force trucking of, of the earth into the crater he created. And it almost looked like a minute Obi-Wan was going to be uh, down for the count, but he was able to dig deep down and realize that Luke and Leia needed someone there to protect them. And he is supposed to be that guy and how much these kids meant to him and was able to summon that strength from deep inside and he came out resurgent and he was ready to roll and he ended up taking it to Vader ends up getting the upper hand and and beating Vader at his own game the one-on-one match that Vader wanted he's got to think twice about it now because Obi-Wan got the upper hand once again and you know for that reason it was so reminiscent of a the big he battled the heroes back in Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith of where you really don't know who you want to win back then because obviously Anakin, you grew up with him, you're hoping maybe he can change his mind and come back to the good side at the last second. And Obi-Wan similarly gives uh, Darth Vader that opportunity again when he says Anakin, like, you know, tries to reason with him. But, you know, same fatal flaw of Anakin. He's, he's too prideful and too arrogant. 
and it was very funny to see that rear its head again and and that's why it took my number one favorite moment that final battle in episode six between vader and obi-wan so what about you man going to your number one Number one, man, I think you know where this is going. My favorite fight scene, flawless victory, Vader wins. It was Darth Vader against Reva. He whipped that ass, not even trying. And uh, yeah, it was great. You even saw Vader right before them bringing down an entire transport ship, which was badass. Loved the moment, thought it was awesome. I ranked it number one. What, uh... So, yeah, man. Do you want to go through them? Yeah, man. I'll start here. I'll go five through one. My fifth favorite moment was finding out that Reva was actually one of the younglings in the temple that Anakin entered when he killed all the younglings back on Order 66 and that she's been playing a double agent this entire time and trying to get close to Vader to kill him and not serve him. Number four, Talos sacrifice in episode five to give the path the time that they needed where she blew herself up and taking a lot of the troopers with her. Number three, the nostalgic flashback training sessions of Anakin and Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan is teaching Anakin to try and overcome his need to prove himself, with Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor reprising their roles together on scene as Anakin and Obi-Wan. That was amazing. Number two, Prime Vader kicking Obi-Wan's ass in episode three. And then number one, the final battle between Prime Vader and the newly re-strengthened Obi-Wan in episode six. So that's mine, five through one. What about you? Yeah, so I have number five, the flashbacks between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Number four, Obi-Wan escaping with Leia from Dayu and using the Force to save her from falling. Number three, Vader dragging Obi-Wan across that fire, baby, and whipping some ass. And then number two, Vader fights Obi-Wan, our iconic fight scene at the end of this series. And number one, flawless, flawless victory. Darth Vader wins against Reva and Reva, not Reva McIntyre, but Reva and whipping that ass, baby, gave a little spanking. And uh, that's my top five. All right, moving on to our next category. We are going to rank our top five favorite planets that appear in this series. And I'll go ahead and let Chase kick us off with number five. Yeah, man, this was a cool rankings to do. Number five, I got Mapuzo. And uh, not only did I see one of my favorite scenes here, but it gave me kind of a Godric's Hollow vibe. Like, you kind of, in uh, when Vader was snapping necks and cashing checks, they kind of reminded me of little cottages. All I needed to see was a little graveyard there where those bodies should go. So, uh, yeah, I gave Mapuzo number five. What's your number five? Funny enough, that planet did not make my list. My number five <laughs> uh, planet was Jabim. And mostly just because this is where the path made its last stand trying to escape. Nothing was wildly impressive about the planet itself, but it was important. It, its importance was to the path and getting Jedi out of there even before the series started. That's where they had their headquarters based out of, and they were able to bring Jedi and Force-sensitive individuals to safety using the planet Jabim to, to provide these Jedi with new identities and things of that nature. So it was important, but the planet itself wasn't cool enough to really rank up any higher on my list. So number five for me is Jabim. I'll let you go into number four. Number four, I got Coruscant. Man, it definitely brought me back a lot of nostalgia seeing those flashback scenes. And Coruscant, if you've seen Star Wars Episode One and Two. 
Uh, it is just a beautiful city. I mean, it has everything of a futuristic vibe, kind of like combined with Rivendell in a way from Lord of the Rings. Like it was really, really cool. It's a beautiful area and the nostalgia. So I ranked it number four. What's your number four? For me, I ranked Nur, which is like the water moon planet where the menacing tower, like the Inquisitor base, is located. But it just gave me Eretuza vibes, like where the in, in The Witcher, where the mages learn their magic. I just thought it was really cool. We saw the base in there, the, the uh, individuals that were force sensitive encasing the amber liquid, and who knows what the hell they're they're keeping them around for. And just the, the planet itself, it was yeah, it was definitely surrounded by water. And then you just had that black tower in the middle, badass and menacing. So. For me, that took number four on my top five favorite plants found in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I'll let you go ahead and shoot off with number three. Number three, I got Dayu. I put Dayu as number three just because it kind of reminded me of, you know, the Times Square of a galaxy far, far away. You had so much going on. You know, like I said earlier in this episode, you know, you had the drug smugglers and you have kind of like the city that never sleeps vibe. So I ranked Dio as number three. I just thought it was cool to see on screen. What about yourself? Funny enough, I also ranked Dio number three. I thought it was a creepy-ass planet. Like, like, like you mentioned, <laughs> it had a lot of crime, some drugs, and bad people, what it seemed like. It seemed like the, the you know some area you don't want to spend a lot of time in. Remember the girl who tried to sell me one drug says, hey, anyone that ends up on this planet never leaves. Like I, you know, I was someone's daughter once, too, and... Then he had the Hajra pretend to be a Jedi to get some credits, scam some people out of some credits there. And, and it just it seemed just one of those uh, things where you just got to do what you can. If you live on Dayu, you got to do what you can to survive kind of deal. And so that was cool enough to hit at least, you know, midway through my list and number three. So I'll let you go ahead and jump into your number two. Yeah, I mean, Gotham City, I guess that's what we'll call it. <laughs> the galaxy far, far away, but... Number two, uh, similar to yours, I had uh, Newer as no. Is that how you say it? Newer? Number two? Just Nur, yeah. <laughs> Nur, Newer. Yeah, Noir. <laughs> no, it was, it was badass, though. You had, like, the water there. The Vader's, like, kind of, like, tower there was badass looking. But the thing you know is, like, that's the weird remind- thing, though. It wasn't really Vader's tower. It was, like, the Inquisitor's base. Because Vader, yeah. Vader had his own tower that we see at the end of episode six on, on a different mm-hmm. area but yeah that wasn't even like his area so yeah but that base was cool though <laughs> yeah yeah but it, it was cool and uh it reminded me of azgaban in a little bit of a way sort of but yeah no i i, I totally agree there to survive so i ranked it number two what's your number two number two for me is tatooine Mainly for the nostalgia purposes here. It's the episode that opens back up. We see Obi-Wan again for the first time since, you know, we got to take a look at Revenge of the Sith all those years ago, 17 years ago. It was cool. Obviously, we have Luke there on Owen's farm, and that's going to be foreshadowed for the original trilogy. Also, full circle from where they picked up Anakin the boy when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan went there, and we had the pod racing and all that great stuff. So, Tatooine, for me ended up taking the number two spot again mainly for nostalgia purposes the planet itself is nothing to write home about and there's not like a crazy amazing things going on it actually kind of looked like a rundown poor planet to be honest but I, I really enjoyed the significance of it and how it played in between four shadows and full circles and that's why Tatooine got number two on my list but I'll let you dive into your number one Number one, if you know me, you should know this should be number one anyways. Mustafar, baby! <laughs> We're back at it! City on fire, 
from the Targaryen himself. Number one, Mustafar, and you got to see that badass base there, which was fucking awesome to see. And, uh, I mean, even the nostalgia from Mustafar, last time we were here, uh, our boy was chopped in half. He was finding himself in half. <laughs> oh, yeah, for the brokenhearted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it was great. I put it at number one, man. What's your number one? That's wild, man. Also, he wasn't cut in half. He got his arms and legs taken off. But anyways, uh, yeah, point. Okay, well, basically, whatever. <laughs> he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point being, wild it. take for your number one planet. My number one favorite planet in this series was fucking Alderaan. Alderaan was a very, like, Jetsons-esque futuristic planet. You see, when I think of the future, when people were talking about, like, like flying cars, and everybody goes, this... This thing was sleek, it was modern, it was so cool to see, and I wish we got more time on Alderaan, but it's probably the rich people reside, you can tell that, that they are very, and an, it's an affluent planet for sure, and, you know, Bail Organa really operates as his role as a senator out of Alderaan, and it just, like I said, if you look at it, if you've got to see it on screen there, and when episode, as early as episode one, you're just looking out and you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, like they are just living in 3022. Fuck 2022, right? So uh, I, that's the reason Alderaan gets a little bit of a nod for over everyone else in mine and took the number one spot on my top five favorite planets found in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And just to make it easy, I'll go ahead and run five through one here. Number five for me, Jabim. Number four, Nur. Number three, Dayu. Number two, Tatooine. Number one, Alderaan. Go ahead and run to your five through one. Number five, I got Mapuzo. Number four, Coruscant. Number three, Dayu. Number two, Nur. Number Nur. <laughs> Number one, Mustafar. Awesome. Now we're going to dive into our next category of rankings, which is one of the ones we love to do. And we kind of do this with almost every single bonus episode, but we're going to rank our top five favorite characters here five through one and i'm gonna go ahead and start us off here with this ranking category my in terms of the top five favorite characters found here in the obi-wan kenobi series my number five spot goes to roken and i know people are gonna wonder why he doesn't you know do terribly i mean he does a lot overall but he's not in a lot of scenes i guess i can say but he's just a regular guy that's leading a resistance against the Empire. Uh, he's, he's like the commander of these ships, and he is responsible for the safety of these individuals that are getting in and out. The four sense of individuals, the families have been displaced. He, is, he has no extra ability outside of what normal humans are, are capable of. He doesn't have any sort of force ability. He can't wield a lightsaber. He's not you know, the, the child of a famous senator. Or he's got nothing. All he is is he's got who he is, and he he really dedicates his life to helping others, and I, I found that really great. And you know, a character like him being able to, to lead, where he doesn't seem like he comes from a leadership background, just great. And you know, his backstory with his wife, who was force sensitive, being taken by the Empire, just adds to it. So for me, my number five spot and my top five favorite characters found in the Obi Wan Kenobi series goes to Roken. Go ahead and give us your number five. Yeah, number five. And I'll say, like, there were characters I thought of that just couldn't make my list. Like, this is a tough list. Number five, I gave to the original Grand Inquisitor. I thought it was badass, man. I thought it was cool. He's, uh, 
definitely an interesting alien kind of figure that was like invented so and you can kind of tell like it's like he wants order he's not exactly slimy but you can tell he's trying to move up the ranks but even just like his appearance looked badass man it kind of reminded me of like darth maul <laughs> a little bit so number five on my list was grand inquisitor what about uh your number four number four for me goes to tala you know it's tough when we only have five spots to rank but tala she did a lot like she sacrificed herself so that way others could live on she was playing a double agent for who knows how many years he she was like she moved up the ranks to a captain in the imperial empire's like system whatever they have going on she was able to really infiltrate her way to a position of where she was able to help a lot of people because of who she was pretending to be and that really reminded me a lot of severus snape with lord voldemort being able to get close enough to infiltrate his inner inner circle and and really end up helping the good guys out in the long run so that that was really huge and on top of it she gave the the holster obi-wan of hers gave it to leia which is a, a staple trademark of leia for the future uh, original trilogy but you know the events in the future so Tala just did a lot you know she's the one that saved Obi-Wan to begin with as well in episode three when Vader could have just stomped that ass out and took his body she actually shot the big fire blaze to hit the, 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 the whatever it was to cause a big fire to rise up and they were able to get Obi-Wan out without Tala Obi-Wan's probably in Vader's clutches and dead already so she did a lot man that reason Tala ranks number four on my top five favorite characters list what's your number four awesome Number four, kind of similar. I got Haja. <laughs> Haja, man. Took number four. I thought it was awesome. He, you know, he, he starts out not exactly doing the noble thing, I would say. Not exactly bad, but he was kind of scheming those people for money, acting like he was a Jedi. And, but then he winds up doing the right thing, and he really helps out the other Jedi and Obi-Wan and, you know, confesses that he's a fraud after he gets caught. <laughs> so, kind of like just... Uh, he was very down to earth. Uh, I thought he was great. He was a great comic relief too. So, with the magnets, <laughs> so I uh, gave him number four. Man, uh, what's your number three? Number three for me, the Sith Lord himself, Darth Vader. Darth Vader got the number three spot because we got to see what Darth Vader was like at Darth Vader's height. Not only is he able to toy with. Obi-Wan in the first go-around well he wasn't even trying but he built an entire empire <laughs> obviously Palpatine was pulling some strings but Vader did a lot of the dirty work with his abilities he's, he's so powerful and and that's a reason why Anakin really struggles because he just trusts himself so much that he's just uh, superior to everyone else he goes against and to see him walking through and pulling people force people pulling people out of windows and you know killing children and dragging women through the ground and just has no remorse, no regard for life whatsoever. And we really see him use some crazy abilities with the Force. He, he like that you mentioned before, that transport ship used like full power thrusters, all that fuel, all that energy blasting off at whatever mock power that must have been. And him with the Force just holding it back and throwing it to the ground after a, like a minor struggle and then just ripping it to the sides of it apart like it was paper shit was crazy and then on top of that 
the final battle with Obi-Wan, he's just launching down mountains and cliffs into the crater he created by putting his hand to the ground and destroying the earth there. It's a, you know, it was just really crazy to see, but you know, uh, it was nice to see Darth Vader in his prime role, not an old man like he was in the original trilogy and not quite Anakin Skywalker that we knew from the prequels. So it was really great to see Darth Vader at the height of his powers for sure. So for that reason, Darth Vader got number three on my top five favorite characters list. What's your number three? Number three, I put Tala, man. Tala's awesome. Oberyn motherfucking Martell. His, uh... His girl, man, his girl. <laughs> but yeah, she was great. Kind of like you said, that Severus Snape vibe, like winds up helping everyone out from the inside as a double agent. You know, she saved Obi-Wan, even though it was kind of a plot hole. It was still really cool. Uh, you know, she had those full circle moments, like you said, with the holster with Leia, and she was secretly smuggling everyone, and they even made those references kind of to Clone Wars and stuff. So it was great. I gave her number three spot. I got a you know throw a uh, game of thrones bone here i thought it, thought it was good stuff number three is tala what about your number two number two princess leia organa leia was the coolest motherfucker in this damn series she was 10 years old making decisions that grown-ass men grown-ass women weren't making like yes she kind of screwed up in the very very beginning but she's 10 years old she's allowed to screw up where she went off into the forest and got herself kidnapped but outside of that, she's put in some really dangerous situations and keeps a cool head. Uh, Reva was trying to infiltrate her mind using the Force and read it, and Leia wouldn't, wasn't having that. She couldn't get inside Leia's head. And Leia was, was almost commanding Obi-Wan around in Episode 2 when they were on Dayu, and she's like, all right, well, let's go. Like, like Kind of calling the shots herself, and you can see Padme in her. And, and you know the, what's so impressive, it's not just another character, it's just a 10-year-old is acting as if they have been a leader for years and people are listening to her even on in episode five when they're trying to get off the hangar she's like i'll go in the vents and they don't really take her seriously and everyone's like no fucking listen to her and then they get her the ladder and she's able to fix the hangar door without leia maybe they don't get that hangar door open and you know she just plays a big role she bring and, and it's her presence in obi-wan's life that really snaps him out of everything and allow him to come back to the full force and full obi-wan that he was that we knew when he was kind of getting pinned down by all those boulders that Vader was throwing on top of him. Remember what he was thinking in his mind was all the times he shared with Leia and like how he needs to be there for Luke and Leia. And so without her and all the, all the times that they've been through the good and the bad, who knows if he would have been able to grab that inner strength to really, you know, hit that ultimate form of who he was again. So Leia played such a big role. And on top of that, at the very end of the series, she is already in, in the in the outfit that we are going to come to recognize in the original trilogy. But she says to her dad, who's the center, she's like, "There's some. if I'm going to do this, there's some things I want to change. Like, like, who the hell are you? The fucking 10-year-old girl here, man. So she was a boss. She knew what she was. Like, you know, she, uh, she is discerning, and she is kind-hearted. And, and like that just like all those things everyone said and what she got from her mother. Leia was all those things and more. You, know, you can't ask much more of a 10-year-old being put into those in situations. She was kidnapped twice, you know, and, neither, and she didn't falter. She didn't give up any information. She stood strong. Leia Organa hits number two on my top five favorite characters list. I'll let, go ahead and let you take away your number two. She was great, man. I almost put her on my list, but she didn't make it. Grand Inquisitor took her spot. <laughs> but uh, number two, man, I got to give it to our boy. You know, he's been with us for a long time. Obi-Wan, even though he's a shell of himself, you know, you definitely get to see him come back to where he was 10 years ago. 
but also very realistic. You can definitely see how people with PTSD, PTSD, <laughs> PTSD have that issue uh, if they've been through kind of a traumatic experience. Um, and you definitely kind of see him, you know, like inch his way back through the help of Leia and that sort of thing. So got to give it to Obi-Wan, man. Probably mostly for nostalgia, but <laughs> number two on my list, Obi-Wan. What about you? Fuck nostalgia, man. He got number one on my list based on what he did in this fucking series. Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> is number one on my list of favorite characters, the top five characters found in this series because he, without him nothing like this is all a moot point like no one's surviving anything without obi-wan obi-wan was the mastermind even before he came back to his full power he at least knew anakin and darth vader enough to guess his movements and how he was going to act because he has trained him all these years and they are sitting there playing a chess match anakin is obviously more naturally and more raw more powerful than obi-wan but Obi-Wan knows Anakin inside and out, and he uses Anakin's tendencies against him. And to see him incrementally get back to where he was absolutely, you know, trash garbage form of himself in episode one to episode two, having a tough time with regular bodyguards, but getting through them. And then episode three, getting his ass stomped out by Vader on uh, Mapuzo to episode four, him infiltrating the tower on Noor and able to take out a lot of the stormtroopers starting to come back a little bit there and able to use a force when the window started cracking with the water pressure coming through and able to wreck these start gaining himself a little bit back there and then in episode five he's like taking down these these troopers that are infiltrating the area where the on Jabim where they're making their last stand for the path to get out he had he ends up force pushing Riva back when she decides that she wants to take on Vader herself and and then you have that whole deal where Tala gets shot and he's sitting there taking out troopers one by one and he's trying to get back through to her and she obviously makes her decision and then you know even she was able to get him a little bit in his head like hey if you're gonna have to try you know if like, if you, I know you can't like forget about certain things but you're gonna have to do your best if you're gonna be who you, who you need to be and then it all culminates in episode 6 where he ends up coming to the full version of himself and takes out Darth Vader has him dead to rights could have killed him and ended this whole entire thing but he chose mercy once again because that's who Obi-Wan is but to see where he started in the series to where he ended up and he's able to use the, the force to his fullest potential and that is proven by his ability to now see his former master Qui-Gon amazing I love how his story arc went and he, obviously I've always loved Obi-Wan ever since he took out Darth Maul and Phantom Menace so he's always held a warm spot for me in my heart Obi-Wan Kenobi gets my number one spot for top favorite top five favorite characters of the series go ahead and give us your number one I think you know who's number one <laughs> I think you know snapping necks and caption checks flawless victory baby Darth Vader, previously Anakin Skywalker, takes number one on my spot because we get to see him at his full potential. No old man Darth Vader. No young uh, coming in coming of age story. He is there. He is of age. He's ready to whip some ass, give people some spankings that are so deserved. And it is badass. We are seeing him throwing people from windowsills, dragging across fire, and just leaving bodies on the streets. <laughs> bodies, 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 baby. It was badass. It was awesome. Darth 
Vader takes the number one spot on my list. All right, to run through those real quick on my end, five through one. My fifth favorite character in this series is Roken. Fourth spot goes to Tala. Third spot goes to Darth Vader. Two spot goes to Leia Organa. And the number one spot goes to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Go ahead and run through yours five to one. Number five, I got the Grand Inquisitor. Number four, Haja. Number three, Tala. Number two, Obi-Wan. And number one, the most famous villain of them all, (laughs) Darth Vader, baby. Good shit. Awesome. We're going to move on into our last ranking category of the day. We are going to rank our top five most powerful characters. Don't worry, guys. We still have some extra stuff after this, but this will be the last ranking uh, that we're going to do for this series. So I'll go ahead and let you take it away. Start with your number five most powerful character found in the series. Number five. This one's probably not thought of very much because he's not in it very long, but he's still powerful. And that's Nari. He died in the first episode, but he was a Jedi, man. I mean, he got that ass whipped, but he was uh, he was still there. He was still powerful. He was trained in the Jedi Force, so I gave number five to Nari. What about you? Fuck that idiot. No, but <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, in the series. <laughs> he was in the series, but it didn't do anything. We saw him force stop a knife from hitting the bartender. Like, yeah, sick, dude. Like, <laughs> then he just ran the rest of the way. He's like, Obi-Wan, help me. <laughs> like, no, he sucks. Fuck him. But anyways, the top five, uh, number, the number five spot goes for me to Tala. You saw her taking out clone troopers left and right when she was inside the the base, the Imperial base on Noor, where the the Grand Inquisitors, well, the Grand Inquisitor and the other Inquisitors kind of held up their shop there. You know, she was the one that was able to uh, take out her own people to save Obi-Wan in the first place. She's been taking people down for as long as we know, as long as we've, you know, however she's been along in the Empire, where she finally snapped and decided she was going to work for the good guys. She's been taking people out, and, and dude, these are full-grown, like, she took the other, she's, like, took, strangled out the other captain. Like, the other captain's like, come with me, and she's like, nah, fuck you, man. And then she fucking took him out. <laughs> then, when the, the troopers were going to take her to the interrogation room, and everyone's like, hey, like, like, we, we're, we're made. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here. She ends up taking out both those stormtroopers. Like I said, I mentioned before, I know stormtroopers are kind of overlooked as kind of idiots as bad guys. But at the end of the day, they are still trained by like, the Imperial Force. So, not like the the, the, the actual force itself, the, the, the entity, the force. But, like, the, the, the Imperial Forces, like the, the army, they are trained. So, they're not nothing. You know, and she's a captain there. She remained her up, way up to captain. And she was taking them out without a lot of... Uh, additional abilities that maybe other characters do possess so for me number five most powerful character in this series goes to tala go ahead and jump into your number four number four i put the grand inquisitor (laughs) the grand inquisitor reason why i mean he was uh we don't know if they're necessarily sith or what they are but he can wield a lightsaber he can use the force he did that fan thing that Reva did at one point where he was like interrogating folks and I mean you know clearly my boy Vader thinks a lot of him so number four the Grand Inquisitor what about you number four for me goes to Reva and this is because 
there's other people that are stronger than her. She's fine. Like, she has, shows a lot of abilities. She can wield the lightsaber. She can wield the force. She tries to attack Vader. Doesn't really go her way, like, at all. <laughs> um, you know, and I'll make my point as to why she is below a certain individual after I ranked above her. But, you know, we, we don't really see... With, with all the strength that she possesses and the fact that we know that she was a, you know, a Padawan being trained in the Jedi Temple and she came to the dark side to try and eventually make her way up the ranks and become Vader's right-hand person so she could kill Vader. You know, for all of that, what does she really do? You know what I mean? She ends up cutting off the hand of one of the villagers. We see that. Like, cool. We saw her do some cool flips and shit. Uh, all right like that's uh, excellent but in hand-to-hand combat the one time we saw her she got her ass kicked (laughs) i guess you can say she stabbed the grand inquisitor but that was more of a surprise attack than anything he's like stand aside and then she just stabs him right like it's not as if they had a duel and she outmaneuvered him no she just stabbed him from surprise so I, I, I like as cool as Riva is, she just can't get much higher on this list. Obviously, I think she's stronger than Tala. She can use a force and she can use a lightsaber, but she ain't much stronger than anyone else. So for me, the number four spot goes to Riva. Yeah, close for me. Number three spot goes to Riva. <laughs> for me, number three. And you know what really moved her up this list is that parkour ability. I mean, she was jumping across roofs doing the parkour thing. Uh, and yeah, she can use the force, you know, got that ass spanked, <laughs> but I mean, uh, that's all I can say about that. Number three, Reva, <laughs> what about you? Number three for me goes to the Grand Inquisitor. And the reason I put the Grand Inquisitor above Reva is number one, obviously Darth Vader had to think highly of the Grand Inquisitor to give him the position in the first place. So who knows what this crazy fucker did to get the position of Grand Inquisitor. Next thing is that, if we remember from the first episode, when Reva goes to kill Nari the Jedi there and swings her lightsaber, he stops her ass with the Force. Like, he's obviously more powerful yeah. than her. She, like, he stops the blade mid-swing and then Force pushes her back. You know, and, and also on top of that, too, when Reva finally does stab him in the stomach, when it was unexpected in, in a surprise sneak attack, he still didn't even fucking die. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, still, true, he still yeah. came back and he, he ripped the damn pin off of her, put it back on himself. And, you know, even then they start making moves. And the Grand Inquisitor obviously is a is a general of some sort because he's smart enough to realize they should have gone after the path versus go after Kenobi solo. So just like, obviously, the, the, the few interactions that they've had, he's been superior to Reva in ability. And so for that reason, I had to put the Grand Inquisitor as a number three spot on my top five most powerful characters found in this series. So I'll let you go ahead and tackle number two. Number two, I'm pretty sure we can both agree. Obi-Wan Kenobi, man. Gotta give him the number two spot. You know, uh, you're talking about a guy that was probably, could be ranked as one of the most powerful Jedi, well, maybe not most powerful really out of so many i guess like probably not top 10 but probably could be looked at as one of the best most respected powerful jedi of his uh time really of generation i would say um but i mean you know the fact that he beats vader (laughs) at the very end i think that says enough on itself so uh yeah number two obi-wan what about yourself I agree with you. A number two spot for me also goes to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, if this was the most skilled or like the most 
uh, intelligent or that's found in the series like yeah he'd probably get the number one spot but this is the most powerful character list and there's someone there that just exhibits more power than he does and obviously we we see the major fight at the end and how it turns out but again i could argue that just becomes from knowing your opponent more and just those little nuances but in terms of full brute strength and power I think that don't think that there's really much of a comparison, and, and it's not even just Obi Wan's fault. Like, there's not much of a comparison of anyone in the Star Wars universe. It's not just Obi Wan. Like, the, the the number one, yeah. the guy who gets the number one spot is just that's the you know he has the highest metachlorian count that was ever recorded, right? So, uh, it's very very clear to me that as powerful as Obi Wan Kenobi is, there is still someone that takes the number one spot, but. Obi-Wan does get the number two spot because he is leaps and bounds stronger than the other characters on our list. So, uh, number two, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Go ahead and give us your number one. We both know who it is. We both agree. (laughs) We both agree on this. Number one, hands down. It's not even close with any of these characters as far as looking at brute strength and power. It's Darth Vader. He, he straight up brought down an entire transport ship and slammed it on the ground and opened it up like it was paper, the entire wall. Like, I think that says enough by itself. Uh, Reva came after him, and he didn't even try to... Didn't even try. Like, yeah, he swung his saber around a couple times, but literally to the point of he handed it back to her and grabbed both of them and literally let her swing with all her force at him while his back was turned and still use the force to stop it barely trying i think that says enough and uh i mean you know at the i mean you could even bring the argument yeah obi-wan beat him in the end in that fight but remember what he did in the third episode like it wasn't even close like when obi-wan was a shell of himself he dragged him across some stones that he lit on fire like holy shit dude's out of control man so i think it's hands down uh darth vader number one on my list what about you yeah i agree with you man number one darth vader gets the number one spot for me as well all the reasons you mentioned uh, there's just been too many uh, exhibits of darth vader's power you know he's he like i had mentioned he uh he was able to take over and build an entire empire it's really called the empire and obviously palpatine is the one pulling strings but it's off the back of darth vader's brute force and strength and his ability to really enforce all of these things because no one's going to stand against him he's got the highest metachlorian count ever recorded he destroyed obi-wan in their first fight this series in episode three he used the force like you mentioned to take down a full transport vehicle with the booster engines just shooting and it didn't matter he dragged that shit down and like you said he just toyed with reva who we all put we both put on our list in different spots of most powerful characters but she's on the list and he made her look like nothing uh, you know, it made it look like I'm swinging against Darth Vader out there. You know what I mean? So <laughs> on top of it, he, you see the shit he was doing even in the other battle, like the final battle with Obi-Wan. And then, you know, Obi-Wan kind of matched at the end when he kind of unlocked his potential or whatever and got back to who he was. But Darth Vader was throwing boulders and cliffs on this guy. He destroyed the earth to create a creator. Uh, I'm sorry, to create a crater that he fell in and then just launched all this stuff on there. It didn't even seem like it took him a lot of effort to do it. And, you know, even... 
I know this doesn't really count technically as Darth Vader at this point in time, but even the flashback trainings, he was beating Obi-Wan and in terms of hand-to-hand -hand combat, knocking the fucking saber out of his hand. So if you, want, if you want to argue that he wasn't Darth Vader yet in that point in time, fine. But still, just in terms of brute strength and the most powerful character, I don't think it's much of a contest here. And, you know, obviously, like I said, this is not the most skilled. This is not the most intelligent. This is the most powerful ranking. And in terms of power... Doesn't get much more powerful than Darth Vader, man. So he gets my number one ranking on my top five most powerful characters in this series. And just to rip through it, five through number one, I gave the fifth spot to Tala. Four goes to Reva. Three to the Grand Inquisitor. Two to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Number one to Darth Vader. You go ahead and go five through one for yours. Number five, the knife stopper himself. Nari! Brute force. Brute force. We're stopping butter knives. <laughs> Number four, Grand Inquisitor. Number three, Reva. Number two, Obi-Wan, the man of the year. And number one, the villain of all time, Darth Vader. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's our rankings, the stuff that we're going to rank in terms of ranked order. But now we get to have a little bit of a fun debate here, and Chase and I are going to debate the MVP of this series. I want you to go ahead and give me who you think was the MVP, and show your work, give your readings behind it, and try to convince everyone who the MVP was. The MVP, and uh, what's funny is, I know y'all were looking for this person in my rankings, and they just weren't there at all is leia hands down the mvp in my book i know y'all didn't see that coming you thought i'd pick obi-wan uh i thought about that but this all comes down to leia and you can even say for one sole reason the fact she got the damn doors open <laughs> if you don't get the doors open everyone's effed <laughs> if you don't get the doors open everyone's effed and she got him out of there even when she got kidnapped Remember, Reva couldn't even read her mind if she gave away all those locations and all of that there. It could have been over. Um, you know, she's even questioned things as a child along the way, even to question Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. Uh, like, was he even who he said he was? So I think she doesn't get a lot of credit for where credit should be due here. Um, Obi-Wan was coming close, uh, in my opinion, but the fact of the matter is, even if it was, even though it was only a few significant points, there were such big, significant details. If something had gone awry there for her age, this, it could have been a lot worse. Like not only would she not had gotten back, but it could have ruined, honestly, the entire future for Star Wars. Um, so I'm giving Leia the MVP on my list. What about you? If I thought inside of the box and one, I went about this like the normal way, I probably would have agreed with you and given Leia the number, the MVP of this series. But I went a little outside the box and I gave the MVP of the series to Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Wow, I didn't even consider it. This, this is why my boy, man. This is why I gave Darth Vader the MVP of the series. <laughs> he is ironically the MVP for the good guys because he's an absolute idiot and he can never seem to get out of his own way. He could have had Kenobi in episode three when he had let a little tiny firewall stop him and the troopers from taking Kenobi's body. He then could have followed 
the Inquisitors and hid in their base when Reva took Leia captive and just sat there waiting for Obi-Wan to show up. <laughs> he could have waited and not been outsmarted by the diversion when the first ship took off and him using all of his force strength to pull that one back down while a secondary ship got away. He could have also listened to the Grand Inquisitor and stayed the course and destroyed the path at the route and found Kenobi later on, bringing Kenobi to them to try to save the people in the path, but he was too impatient and set all of his focus on Kenobi. And then he could have stuck around in that final battle to make sure Obi-Wan was actually dead in the crater he created before walking off. It was just mistake after mistake after mistake. <laughs> and in my opinion, he's actually the good guy's MVP because of how all the fucked up decisions he decides to make. Because if he uses any brains whatsoever, he has them all dead to rights and it's game over. And because of that, Vader gets MVP of the series for the opposite team. That's my reasoning and that's my MVP of the series. Hey, man, I can't, you know, what's sad is I can't disagree with that. I, uh, I see, I wasn't even considering him as an MVP just for the fact of the sure role he plays. But now that you put it that way, yes, I can absolutely see your side. It's very sad because he could be very intelligent if he just put aside his own personal vendetta. Uh, so, you know, that... It is, it is, it is what it is, is what I got to say about that. But yeah, man, what do you think? Do you think, you know, as far as I've heard, uh, maybe you've heard otherwise, I don't know. I've heard this is just going to stay a limited series. I would like to see it go to a season two. From what I've heard, the actors are for it, but nothing's been confirmed yet because they don't know could you see this going into like a season two? Where would you think it would go from there? Do you think it would focus on Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's journey? Do you think we would have any sort of like storyline with Darth Vader or even cutting back to Luke and Leia at all now that you kind of feel like, you know, Leia's journey with Obi-Wan is over until the actual originals based on the way it ended? Like, what do you think? Where do you see this going? So to answer the first part of that question... I've heard very similar things where the actors are absolutely open to continuing this series, but the producers are not so sure in that they wanted to kind of make this just like a little bit of a a teaser to, to kind of hold us over probably for the next huge productions that they're going to do. And it was a great idea on them to bring nostalgia back into it with old characters reprising their old roles. And so from what I've heard, it, it, it's not off the table it's still in the cards but it's not their immediate like focus and like um they're not they're not trying to tackle it right away so uh if they do i don't know if i'd like to see a continuation of this series specifically or if i'd want to see some potential spin-offs and you know that kind of there's a great transition into you know our final little bit of topics we're going to discuss here today on this rankings bonus episode is you know what let's say they do not further out this series specifically what other potential spin-offs or continuations of these character stories would you like to see moving forward? Uh, I, I have a few of myself, but I'm curious on to what some of the things that you would like to see as potential spin-offs or you know, following specific characters maybe that we found in this series and following them along maybe up until the timelines that lead into the original trilogy with A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Jedi. Yeah, um, me personally, I think it would be really cool to see a spinoff of 
you know, Obi-Wan just kind of does his own thing with Qui-Gon Jinn's ghost for a while. I think it'd be really cool. I mean, I don't know where it would go, per se, really. Um, maybe he, like, finds another planet, is, like, going on his journey on his own. Maybe he does come in contact with Yoda at some point. That would be really cool. Uh, comes in contact with, like, the other Jedis. Maybe Ahsoka. Uh, I have heard on the side that uh, Hayden Christensen was spotted on set of the Ahsoka series. So I don't know how that would go, but that would be pretty cool. Um, as far as, like, say some other characters, Vader, there's an interesting storyline. A lot of people probably haven't even heard of because, you know, you know what I consider canon, is, there's so many Star Wars stuff out there with books that other people have written and in video games and stuff. What I consider canon is just actually straight from George Lucas. But what would be kind of cool, I think, I don't know if you've ever heard of the game Star Wars The Force Unleashed. I played it, like, in uh, high school, but basically it deals with Vader, like, trying to take on an apprentice, which was called Starkiller, that uh, doesn't work out, and, you know, he basically, like, it doesn't work out. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it, but uh, is not around anymore. But, like, I think that would be cool. Try to maybe see him try to take someone else on since he doesn't know Leia and Luke are around. Um, maybe going further with how maybe almost like Anakin and Obi-Wan, remember how Anakin kind of let his pride and, and ability to be blind uh, get in the way of him and Obi-Wan. Maybe... You know, to the point of he starts to try something like that with Palpatine, but Palpatine doesn't put up with it and just like electric shocks his ass <laughs> to stay in a straightforward line. Or he tries to break away and maybe go back to the light side, but it doesn't actually work because Palpatine's just like, no, you're focusing on this shit here. Um, I would kind of, I mean, the problem I would have with like seeing maybe Luke and Leia grow up more is nothing I don't think really happens during that time. I don't know. But those are just some ideas. What about you? One thing I would say is like, well, we didn't really know that Leia got kidnapped either until the series put it on screen. So it was kind of cool to see yeah. that. So to that point, I think it would be pretty cool to see maybe a spinoff of, you know, how we saw 10-year-old Leia and who she is as a person and her personality and her instinctive ability to lead. I think it'd be cool if we had something similar and it shifted to young Luke and have him go through some adversity and get an idea of what he was like as a boy as they're growing up and, and, and going further. Maybe, you know, maybe he realizes almost similar to let's just use other fantasy fiction universes and say, you know, how Harry went to the zoo in Sorcerer's Stone and he was able to make the glass disappear and start realizing he's got some abilities and he doesn't really know how to explain them. And it's confusing for him as a young boy trying to figure out why things are happening to him. Maybe we get something like that with Luke. We get, you know, him being able to do some things that, you know, other kids his age can't do. And he's almost like a little bit of an outcast. And obviously his, uh, you know, adoptive parents, Owen and, and Baru, they can't tell him who he is right away because obviously it's a big secret to the Star Wars universe. So I don't know. I think it'd kind of see, it'd be cool to see in a little spinoff series, very similar, maybe another six episodes of something crazy happening with Luke and maybe him getting an idea, maybe not a full-blown like a confession from Obi-Wan or, or Owen and Baru because obviously he doesn't find out who he is until much later in the things. But like at least an idea of like 
uh, hey, there is something special about you, but just trust the process kind of deal. Maybe that'd be the overall theme and, and moral of that series story. I think that'd be cool to kind of follow along with young Luke. Because I tell you what, I not for nothing, Leia's character in Star Wars never really stood out to me until this series. To figure to see her as a ten year old and all that she was doing and how confident she was in herself and her instincts and her ability to get people to listen to her, it was amazing. It drew her story in such a new way for me to take a look at that that she made my like number two in my top favorite list of this series and you know it make definitely made me more interested in her, her as an overall character in the Star Wars universe overall too. So I think it'd be cool to get something similar for Luke. That would be my number one what I would probably like to see next uh, as a potential spinoff. I also, and I think I mentioned this before a couple episodes ago, I think it'd be great to have another spinoff series where instead of the Obi-Wan Kenobi and following his you know, path of what's happened since Order 66, similar to that, I'd like to get like a Yoda series. Kind of getting an idea where I said like, oh, Yoda's playing a Dumbledore-like character where he's undermining the Empire in secret and he's playing a chess match with Palpatine and how he's been key to the rise of the Republic, foiling the Sith's plan at certain turns. I think that would be really cool to see because all we've seen, all we know from Yoda is that, you know, he's been in exile and the next time we see him is when Luke runs to Dagobah to get trained by him. And, you know, keep in mind, we saw in the last two, quote unquote, I want to say prime because Yoda's still so old compared to the rest of the Jedi and the council, but uh, the quote unquote prime Yoda we saw him fight Count Dooku off in Attack of the Clones by himself. And then we saw him go toe-to-toe with the Sith Lord, Emperor Palpatine, Darth Sidious. And even though he didn't necessarily win, he didn't necessarily lose either. That was almost a fight to a stall. So we we, we know that Yoda's got these crazy abilities. And it'd be really great to see more of those before we just get the old-ass Yoda, the wise master that we see in the original trilogy. I'd love to see him do some more cool shit before we're just resigned to the fact that he's just a teacher at this point and he's got a really deep uh, instinctive knowledge of the Force. So I definitely think that'd be cool to see a spinoff series where we follow Yoda since Order 66 and what he's been doing in the background to you know, build this rise of the Republic that comes back to, you know, and you know, ends up playing in the role into where it goes where they overthrow Vader and Palpatine by the Return of the Jedi in the original trilogy. So those those are my two ideas and things that I would like to see as spin-off series slash continuations, whatever you want to call them. But I don't know, man. What do you think? Yeah, no, and uh, you actually made me think of something. <clears throat> I think it would be cool to have like a full circle moment with Luke. Uh, remember, even in the originals, Ben Kenobi, uh, Obi-Wan, as an old man, said, remember when I knew Anakin, he was the pod racer and all this stuff. Um, and remember, we remember Anakin in episode one being a pod racer. Like maybe they have Luke being like the ultimate pod racer champion. And he just doesn't know like why he's so good at it and like never knew because he wasn't told these things until later. Like that would be really cool. Like something like that. I think another thing that I thought of too, uh, we had a glimpse of it and then I guess solo didn't prefer, uh, didn't, uh, do very well. But at the very end of Solo, if you ever watch that movie, you have a glimpse of Darth uh, Maul. And uh, I think that would be really cool. Like, even if you had something... I know he was apparently spotted on the Ahsoka set. I don't know how true all this stuff is. But um, wouldn't that be cool to see him, like, clash back with, like, Obi-Wan again or something like that? Or I know there is a book that's out. Of course, I don't really consider it as canon, but he was, like, a space pirate. 
So, like, that would... I don't know. I can think it'd be cool. You don't think it'd be cool to see Darth Maul on screen again? Oh, I absolutely do. My issue is more with the timing. I don't know if it lines up timeline-wise because... Not for nothing, if you guys haven't watched The Clone Wars, Darth Maul has a big presence in The Clone Wars. And so, Mm -hmm. The Clone Wars definitely precede what happens here uh, 10 years after Order 66 with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that we have. And mm-hmm. events take place, and I would say I say that I don't want to give any too much away, but Darth Maul's time, he, I don't know if he's still around uh, during this, <laughs> yeah, this time yeah, period. Yeah, gotcha. that, that's what I'm trying to say. So uh, that'd be tough if unless I've got the timelines wrong and incorrect, which I'm not necessarily sure that I do. Uh, if I if my timelines are wrong, yes, I would absolutely love to see Darth Maul on screen again. But the thing is, and like you mentioned, Anakin Skywalker was seen, Hayden Christensen was seen on set as Anakin Skywalker for the Ahsoka series. We know mm-hmm. who Ahsoka Tano was to Anakin Skywalker. It was his secret yeah. Padawan, and I don't think I'm giving anything away there. But so that already that already kind of you know yeah, ruins, ruins the timeline because <laughs> he's still Anakin Skywalker. He's not Darth Vader. Yeah, right. Right. So exactly. But yeah. if the timelines did match up somehow, and if Darth Maul was still around, absolutely would love to see him. He's my favorite Sith Lord of all time, honestly. Um, yeah. No, I would love to see him on screen again. I just don't think the timelines match up. Yeah. No. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, closed it out in style, man. But don't you guys worry, because. We still got one banger of a fucking ride left, man. You want to tell them what it is? Absolutely, man. So even though we're closing out the Obi-Wan series today and there was a lot of action, a lot of cool moments, brought back some nostalgia and had all these crazy events and it was fun to cover and fun to have fun here today with this bonus episode and rankings, there is still one more series that takes it even to a higher level than this and it is the return of of the Game of Thrones Westeros area we're going to bring back. We're going into the House of the Dragon. That is how we are going to close out our Season 2 of Factor Fantasy. So we will be covering all 10 episodes in Season 1 of House of Dragon. And it's going to be very similar to how we tackled this and how we tackled The Witcher. We're going to tackle one episode at a time. So one podcast episode with Jason Josh Factor Fantasy. We'll cover one episode of House of the Dragon all the way through to the 10th episode and then we'll also give a bonus encore rankings episode in with house of dragon referring to that as well so that is how we're going to close out this season here and then you know that's you think this was big that you ain't seen nothing yet so yeah man i don't know, you have anything last words to say before we close out here today ain't seen nothing yet and uh what a full circle moment it is for us man i mean as we remember Starting in season one, our first big banger was Game of Thrones. And now in season two, kind of ending our ride on season two back in the world of Westeros. And it's great because uh, I remember we weren't sure if we'd ever step back in this realm again. And here we are. And uh, but yeah, I got to give Star Wars credit where credit is due. It has been a badass ride. Definitely nostalgia for us. I hope it comes back one day in this realm. At least we have the Star Wars universe, though. That's pretty badass. And, uh, yeah, till next time, man, I'll let you sign us off.
Sounds like a plan. So if this is your first time tuning in and listening, we hope you really enjoyed what you heard and you stick around for a while. If you've been listening since day one, thank you guys so much for being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. We really enjoy and appreciate the loyalty that you have had to us and our content. And so uh, if you're looking to figure out where you can follow us along, we are on all forms of social media. We are on Instagram at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We are on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We are on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. That's our fan page there. We are uh, Ridiculous Patronus on YouTube. We are RP Factor Fantasy on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy on Snapchat. So please go ahead and follow along, click like, subscribe to all channels. We really do appreciate that audience engagement. And in terms of the podcast itself, if you're looking to figure out where you can listen to us, if you are an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and on iTunes. If you're an Android user, we are on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on Podbean. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh... Factor Fantasy, signing off. off.